Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Lifestyle presenter Sadia Usmani has lived in Hong Kong for the past two years and is a real foodie at heart. In this week's programme, she joins me at Wan Chai Mosque in Oikwan Road and takes me for lunch at the Islamic Centre Canteen on the fifth floor. The canteen serves a variety of dishes but is well known for serving halal dim sum, so dumplings and steamed rolls that Muslims can eat. There we meet and chat with canteen operator Jaman Maka. Mr Maka, who has both Chinese and South Indian heritage, set up the canteen in 2005. <laughs> Hong Kong about two years ago I came over to this mosque really purely attracted by the food but there are actually six mosques in Hong Kong and there's a very big one in Kowloon but this one seems to have a real cross-section of people who come to it I mean obviously you see a lot of the Indonesian helpers who are around who come in on the weekends and, and other times during prayers but yeah lots of Chinese you know people from all sorts of backgrounds cultural backgrounds which is lovely and there is a real community feel to this mosque is this something where you can just wander in? You don't have to be Muslim to eat at the canteen? Well, you do, actually, personally, yes. Um, they are quite worried about the fact that, you know, if they get too much publicity, then lots of people... Are, it's actually open not to the public as such, but I'm sure quite a few members of the public kind of creep in because it's had some good reviews and people always Google things and it always seems to come up. So I do think so, but I think, you know, people perhaps when they do come here just need to to be a little bit respectful of the fact that there may be worshippers who are coming here at five times of the day and obviously you should really give priority to those people who are coming in to be able to use the canteen as Muslims just like you're going to join me today you know quite a few people do come in but it's not something that they actively advertise you know okay so let's get off the street and go and have a look it's quite a large mosque. There's a kind of ladies' praying area, an ablution area, and same with the men's one. And the actual canteen is on the fifth floor. So there is a lift that takes you up there, so that's where we're going to head. And usually, if you come on the weekends, it's very busy. I've come a couple of times, like on a Friday and a Sunday and stuff, and I've actually had to line up just outside the stairs, which seems to be a common thing in Hong Kong anyway, <laughs> because, you know, anywhere you walk for food, if you see a line there just get in it you know <laughs> I'm not and of sure. course Friday and Saturday are the key yeah, yeah. Friday is the, is the basic sort of holy day really for Islam and uh, everyone would really, majority of men would come and come for the congregational prayer which takes place for sort of one fifteen. A lot of the women too, you'll find lots of the domestic workers who are here who come here, it's almost like a, a bit of a safe haven for them because it's kind of cooler in here, they get some space and they sit here. They also, throughout the week, as you can see there's lots of children and things around, throughout the week they do a number of different courses and things here. They teach Arabic. They also have, I think there's a, I can see a notice on the board about Tai Chi and so and they do um, tuition. So here's the lift. Let's just get in. It's the fifth floor we're going to go. Yeah, so they do things like tuition. Every so often they have um, big events that are taking place where they might have sort of food and stuff upstairs and that's kind of open to the public. But when I have been here I have noticed quite a few people who perhaps have come on an organised tour and are actually seeing the mosque because I think 
there's a lot of alienation that takes place where they think, oh, I'm not allowed to walk yeah, in. Yeah, this is right. Is that uh, it's not my religion, or I, I don't know a lot about it. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, you're right. You, there needs to be that... I mean, I've found any mosque here is welcoming, but you need that halfway point where, yes, priority is given to those who are coming for prayer, yeah. but the other people don't feel all that they have to be strangers here. Yes, and just be respectful. I mean, you know, the basic thing is, and I, would, and I think that really applies to any religious place that you go in, that you're aware of the fact that modesty is important. You're not going to walk in with a pair of shorts on and a little boot top or anything like that. I don't need to wear a headscarf, do I? Not necessarily, unless you're going over to the prayer area or something like that. And also... I think people understand if you're coming for a visit and you're not a Muslim, I mean, out of respect, you could put a headscarf. Like, I'm Muslim, but I'm not wearing a headscarf because I don't tend to wear one. And I feel like it's a bit hypocritical if I'm just putting it on for the mosque. But so, um, you know, I will certainly put it on if I was going to go into the prayer area and things like that. And I do come and pray here every so often. Okay, so we're on the fifth floor now. So we've just walked in, we saw the cooks in the side, so it's all quite open, isn't it? Yeah, they've got a massive kitchen, and what they tend to do is, like, I think from about 10, 11 o'clock, they serve dim sum. This is, like, every day, so a real selection of dim sum that they have here. And then they do lunch, so they do serve sort of meals and things like that. It's quite a large hall on the top of this building. And generally, you know, right now we've kind of come at a time where it's not too busy, but you, you really are, sometimes it's very noisy in here, and there's lots of children. Children and it's it is a very family sort yes, of community. Yes, it will be a bit of a family atmosphere yeah, there. Yeah, we ordered our jasmine tea. So they have quite a, an extensive menu. The chefs are Chinese. I don't know whether they're actually Muslim as such, but certainly they are watched over and all the stuff that comes in is all cleared to be halal. Now I think also where they've had where you're saying, of course, that they want to prioritise for Muslims, but the words got out is the fact yeah. that this is halal dim sum, yeah. and that's quite a novelty yeah. in Hong Kong. Yeah, it is. And, you know, when I came to Hong Kong, um, you know, I've, I knew about dim sum, and I was like, oh, it's going to be great, great, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have this. But then you realise, actually, that majority of dim sum that is served outside has got pork in it. And, and pork seems to be, obviously, it's an economical uh, meat to use. It's easy, it's cheap, whatever. So everything, without any consideration whatsoever, is just like pork is thrown in there. Yes. That's the, one of the most challenging things. But here, I know that, you know, when I'm having a meal here and stuff, then I know I can just eat anything. So it's absolutely fine. So the dim sum is really a, a key point here. <laughs> so we've got our jasmine tea. So let's have a look at the halal menu. Yep. Okay. Well, the dim sum, for instance, has everything that you would normally find in any restaurant. So you've got your steamed chicken and vegetable buns. You've got your uh, vegetable dumplings and chicken dumplings, beef balls. You've got the soybean sheet, which is wrapped with, chi you know, mm. got chicken inside. You've got the deep fried wontons again, like all of these things. If you were looking to buy great, them outside, great, it's great. And I also had to dash for the ferry today, so I haven't even had right. breakfast, so I'm okay. ready. Well, supposedly, you know, I was kind of reading up about um, the mosque before we came and stuff and, and the food and I've done a lot of research before I came here and, and supposedly they got this kind of fifth floor and they had some sort of an agreement here that they could use this to serve up food to Muslims and stuff as long as they kept the prices fixed almost 
Um, and to tell you the truth, oh, gosh, yes, it's look very at that. reasonable. I mean, we're talking really between 13 and $20 for the dim sum, which they give you like two or three of them. Now, this is not going to be an advertisement, okay? So, so this is not for everyone to walk in. But actually, you know, um, quality-wise, it's really lovely. It is really pretty authentic because, I mean, you've got Chinese chefs in there who are, who are making this stuff. Generally, within the culture, the whole thing about food is a real blessing. Like, to feed somebody is a real blessing. To be able to... And I've had a chat with the guy who runs this place a couple of times. And he's told me that he started this in uh, 2005. And he's kind of almost said to me that without really trying to promote it, that he works all year and he sells all this stuff and people come and eat. And the money that he makes on this, when it comes to Ramadan, he actually then... the canteen closes and then the food when people come fasting and worship at the mosque he actually then gives food for free then because in islam to feed somebody especially during ramadan you get like huge bonus points huge rewards for that so he's going to be very low profile about that he's not going to say too much because that's between him and god that that's something that he likes to do but it is really quite a big thing you know food plays an, an immense part i think in the culture it's a way of obviously bringing people together so going through the thing there's a section on curry dishes and I think it might be a little slant towards the Indonesian stuff as well they're trying to cater for the wide diversity of people who actually come in. You've come to Hong Kong from Britain. Can I ask you what your background is? Well, my background, I mean, I've spent 50 years in the UK, so I got there when I was two. I'm from a Muslim background, but I'd say that, you know, kind of quite balanced in terms of how I've been brought up, but very much British, yes. You know, I'll have my custard and cake and everything else and my Yorkshire pudding and things like that. (laughs) But I'd say that my background, certainly where food and stuff is concerned, is very diverse. I mean, I like all sorts food and I like cooking all sorts of food. My name is Jaman Maka, J-A-M-A-N, M-A-R-K-A-R. My great-grandfather came from South India 100 years ago. Uh, I'm the fifth generation. My great-grandmother was Chinese. My grandmother Chinese. My mother also Chinese. That's why I look perfectly Chinese. (laughs) So you're fifth generation in Hong Kong? I'm the fifth generation. My great-grandfather came from South India. When did you set up the canteen? Well, we set up the canteen in 2005. And you enjoy cooking yourself? I, I don't know how to cook at all. <laughs> I've never been to the kitchen. <laughs> My wife does. Uh, the menu is dim sum item and with other a la carte. Some Chinese dishes from Hong Kong and from other parts of China. What other parts of China? Uh, maybe the, the northern part of China, Yunnan, Xinjiang, Gansu, <laughs> many, many other places in China. Because we travel a lot during the Ramadan period, we go to many places in China and other places which there are halal food. So my wife remembered it and added the food into the menu. The dim sum are all from Canton. The other stuff are from other parts of China. This is a roast chicken from Hong Kong. And then this Jiang Bei chicken are from Xiamen. What's Jiang Bei style then? Jiang Bei is a, a, with some spice with some ginger, with some garlic and, uh, and chilli mm. and, and some peanut <laughs> uh, whole fish in hot chilli salt soup this is from Sichuan oh Sichuan, yeah, 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 of course and it's going to be uh, hot <laughs> <laughs> there are some customers from England, China that's why uh, we have to try to suit the taste we have to provide more varieties so that 
other people can come and to enjoy the, the, the new here. Now, can I ask, when you were saying that you were fifth generation in Hong Kong, yeah. so that's your great, 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 great... Um, <laughs> great, great, grandfather. <laughs> and why did he come to Hong Kong? Why did, did you know what the background is and what he did? I, I don't exactly know, actually, but mm. I, uh, according to my father, we were, uh, the border, border army, border army in, in Hong Kong, because the, the English government, they employed some Indian to, to be the border army to protect Hong Kong. <laughs> yes, so that you would have had Indians in, in basically 1850s onwards coming, uh, right, coming right, with right. the British, that's right. There are quite a lot of people like me, local, right. local people. <laughs> Do you know where you come from originally in India? Because my name, my, my name is Maka. Maka is a, a surname in South India. So, yeah. do you know what province? Sort of I, I don't know. I'm South no Indian. Yeah. I've never been there before. So I don't, not, I don't you haven't been to India? No, no, no. So you're telling me that you're fifth generation. I'm the fifth generation, yes. yes. The name Marka. Uh, Marka, yes. M-A-R-K-A-R. <laughs> it's a very special name for Hong Kong people. If they, because my surname is Marka, some, somebody will feel very strange. <laughs> because nowadays I've uh, turned to Ma. In Chinese, people are more accustomed to Ma because in Chinese, popular. <laughs> it's so interesting, isn't it? How I think Hong Kong is full of many people who have changed their names yes, to yes. make it easier, you know, or for people to recognize. When you were saying about the food, so you say you're not a cook yourself? I'm not a cook. I'm so, not a cook myself. So, what made you decide in 2005 to open this? Yes, because we. We don't have uh, uh, much to eat. During the time, we don't have dim sum, we don't have much Chinese food in Hong Kong. For, for, for Muslims? Uh, for Muslims, because other people can enjoy all the food outside. We cannot. Yeah, because of the pork. <laughs> Not just for the pork, because we are looking for halal. Even the beef, the chicken, we don't eat outside. We eat uh, halal food. That's yeah. why it's so difficult. And that's to do with the halal slaughter techniques? Yes, that's why it's so difficult for us. Because my father used to open a restaurant in Happy Valley. Happy Valley, a halal Muslim restaurant. But it was unsuccessful. It was unsuccessful. That's why I want to start a business and make it very successful. <laughs> so in Hong Kong, do you feel that there should be more yes, sort of should be more Muslim halal, restaurants? Halal restaurants, because mm-hmm. people uh, like me, if you prefer to uh, stick to the religion and try to eat halal, it's very difficult, very difficult. So who are the, you know, in, in an average week here, um, who, are the, who are your customers usually? Oh, 70% are from tourists. <laughs> 70% are from tourists. They are from Malaysia, Indonesia, Singapore, China and other parts of, of the world. They come to eat here <laughs> because of the internet. People know how to come here. <laughs> yes, and also, uh, yes, as you say, for Muslim tourists, uh, it's a kind of safe option. They, uh, they, they know like, that they, they can eat. come here yes. now because many uh, Malaysian, take Indonesian, they take this as a Malaysian canteen. Malaysian canteen or Indonesian canteen. <laughs> the Hong Kong, Hong Kong people, the Chinese people, Chinese Muslims, thought that they are just the minority here. Oh, I see. When they come on sun, Sunday, Saturday and weekend, most of the, well, the customers... Oh, I see, <laughs> here in the canteen, yes. They become uh, the minority. <laughs> now, if we're going to have um, halal dim sum today, what would you recommend? 
maybe for newcomer, maybe the, the shrimp dumpling, the chicken bun and some rice rolls. I think it's very good. Do we know what the, at the actual mosque itself, how many, how many people would you say come to prayer at the mosque? Every day, you mean, every day. Maybe uh, around 100. 100 people come to pray during the five prayers in Hong Kong. One before morning, one in the afternoon, one in the mid, mid, uh, mid-noon, uh, uh, one in the afternoon, one after that, and the Isha, the last one. I think average of around 100 attendants come to the masjid. And do you live around here? Uh, no, I, I live not, not far away because uh, I live in Fofulam. Because if I live too near, it would be too convenient. Yeah. I'll not go, go to the outside. Because after work, I, I want to travel a little bit to take a rest before I go to the residence. So when you are not at work, what are your hobbies? What are your pastimes? I don't have much hobby right now. <laughs> because for these 13 years, I've been more busy and more busy. Because I like to spend my time with my family. Because we work this way. One day, I work from 10 to 5 or something. The other day, I work from 10 to 9. The 10 to 9? 10 to 9. Because my wife and I work alternately. She works uh, one day long, one day short. So do you, ever see, do you ever see one another? <laughs> yes, we see here. Ah, yes. <laughs> we say hello. <laughs> very, very difficult to talk a lot. And you have, so you have children? Yes, we have one child. He's 15 years old right oh. now. <laughs> Six foot two. Really? <laughs> so he's taller than you? Two, yeah, wow. Much taller than me. <laughs> oh, wow. Before you opened the canteen, can I ask what sort of job you had my before? Job. I was an insurance agent. Okay. Is this more exciting? <laughs> uh, I, I think insurance agent is, at first it's more exciting, but after some time it's not, not so interesting at all. <laughs> and do you, for your character, I mean, some people like cooking and other people, it, I mean, you seem very friendly, very personable. Yeah. Do, you, do you like meeting all the customers? Yes, yes, yes. because some, some customers are very good here. They, they like to talk to us and want to make friends with us. And they're very hospitable. And now when you were saying about your five generations going back, has has your family written anything down? How do you know? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, just just everybody says, yeah, yeah, so each each father says to son. (laughs) Something like that. Because one of my aunties liked to tell stories in the evening. (laughs) When I was small, my my auntie told me a lot of stories. That's why I know the, the story of the family. After she died, no more. Do you tell those stories to your son? I don't remember a lot of stories right now. <laughs> I keep to the religion, even now, because my father was a good Muslim. That's why I teach my son to be a good Muslim. My, my son started to do the, the fast uh, when he was 10 years old. That's why we have to follow him. Because sometimes I, I try to be lazy, my wife and I try to be lazy, because we are so tired. But my son urged us to do the fast. And also, I think also, when you, to be honest, when you're running a restaurant, a couple of months ago, I was at Jashan Indian Restaurant, uh-huh. and Terry McMood, who was the restaurateur or manager there, uh-huh. he was also fasting. And I think it's incredibly challenging that you're serving food uh-huh. to other people while, while fasting. Yes. Sometimes I don't remember, because at one time, I, I, I take a cup of tea. Uh, because I, I've already fasted. I don't remember. I just take a cup of tea. After one an hour, I'm so hungry. <laughs> then I have my lunch. <laughs> and then I realize that I have forgot that I have fast. <laughs> and I still eat something. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, no, I think it is uh, it's, it's quite a discipline. It's quite a challenge uh, to be able to do that. Uh, but I hear there's also health benefits 
it's good for your health to yeah, fast. Yeah, uh, really, in terms of health benefits, I suppose you only need to look at some of the books that have been coming out mm. recently, where the two and five thing, where you say, where they say that, you know, you should fast two days in a week. And actually, if you look back at some of the sayings of the prophet, uh, peace be upon him, he actually uh, said that, you know, it is good. Uh, what he used to do is fast two days in the week. So that was like a Monday and a Thursday. And so, so that is like the two day fast almost. And then you think, well, actually, you know, it's a detoxing. It, it gives your system a rest. And so I suppose there are certain benefits, but I suppose a lot of people during Ramadan, when they do fast and you tell somebody you're fasting, they, they just can't understand that. Are you fasting for the whole month? Is it like every day? And you can't have water because there's very few religions where you are not allowed to have anything at all. Nothing passes your lips. So no water, no fruit, no nothing. So to have nothing at all is, is quite a challenge. And as, as he was saying, that like you forget sometimes because you just get into that mode. If we fast every time during the Ramadan, we feel very so, good, so good inside. And here also the brain is so clear and the stomach is so good. I feel the feeling of... The stomach is very good. Because sometimes I feel very, very uneasy because sometimes I eat a lot. But during the Ramadan period, my stomach and everywhere is so, feels so good and I feel so young. Do you, do you know how old I am right now? How old are you? <laughs> 66. Do I look 66? No. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> We had, um, it was Eid al-Adha just recently. That's when the sacrifice is done and, you know, so there's meat that goes, like, split into three parts where basically it goes to friends and family and then it goes to charity. So meat is distributed like that. A lot of this is now, you know, done online and things. But, but you know, there are two main festivals in Islam and obviously during that time it gets quite busy here at the, the canteen. I was actually intrigued. I wanted to ask you about, you know, the chefs, the, uh, the making, these these meals now are they all Muslims or they're Chinese and you keep an eye on how they're cooking and what they're doing they are not Muslim because in Hong Kong it's very difficult to find a, a Muslim cook very difficult but we inspect all the all the things used in the, in the kitchen make sure that everything is okay it's halal but now they are used to the halal way of cooking because before they come to the to the restaurant they, they like to use alcohol to cook the Chinese people especially like to use alcohol to cook. Now they, they use vinegar instead. Really, it's quite common, a lot of the dim sum, majority of the dim sum that is served outside, they do have like lots of pork mints, lots of pork. Pork is just, it's, it just goes with dim sum, doesn't it? That's... 99% is not halal in, in, in outside because the Chinese people like to use pork the ingredients. So when, when you've got Ramadan and you've got the evening meals? We call it iftar. Iftar meals, yes. So you're breaking fast. So do, do you have then lots of families and iftar meals? Yes. I think more than 200 people every evening, they come to iftar. <laughs> and they also, have, they, they also have dates to break the fast? Uh, dates for big fast and some uh, fruits and some uh, dim sum or something. How does it feel when you fasted all day? So you fasted since sunrise... Um, because I think so often when I eat, in my lifestyle, perhaps I don't respect food or I just eat food because, oh, it's two o'clock or it's one o'clock, that's my food time. It's not even a question of whether I'm hungry, it's just become a rhythm. So, of course, we all eat too much. But when you've fasted all day since sunrise, 
and you have that first drink and that first... How, how does it feel? The, the feeling is uh, very different. Because if, if we, uh, like you, we, we don't feel hungry at all. But after 15 hours, 13 hours of fast, we feel hungry. But at the first time we eat, we feel so good. But we don't eat a lot, we eat a little bit. If we eat a lot, then we'll... We yeah, get, be quite careful. Uh, yeah. We'll feel bad, maybe we'll get sick. <laughs> yes. It is quite amazing when you do actually eat after you've, been, after you've been fasting for 13 hours. And here in Hong Kong, it's about sort of 13, 14 hours. But certainly if you go abroad, like if you're in the UK or you live in Scotland where I used to live, you know, we're talking 18, 19 hours sometimes. But that moment when you break your fast and you bite into some fruit or you have a drink of water or a date, it is, you cannot describe how lovely that food tastes, seriously. And I think almost from your own heart, you have this this kind of gratefulness about it to say, thank God, you know, I'm able to eat this. Because I suppose the point of fasting is also for you to understand that there are lots of people in the world who don't get food. You know, we fast all day and we know at the end of it, there's this lovely canteen here or we can go home and have something lovely to eat. But lots of people actually don't have that. And so if you can imagine that what it's like if day in, day out, you actually don't have anything. You don't have clean water. You don't have a date. You, you know, we are very privileged. And I think what happens is when you open that fast, you realize that, wow, this is quite amazing. We are so lucky. And every little morsel that you eat actually tastes totally different. You know, it tastes lovely. It's worth a try. I, I know I persuaded a number of my office people to try it. And it really was quite a, a lesson for them to to understand that, wow, you know, I, I appreciate it. So I think that's what the gratefulness is a big part of it, isn't it? Because we feel, feel the, the hunger of the poor people. Because some rich people, they never feel hungry in their life. No. Uh, that's, that's why everybody, every Muslim should fast. Because we, we want to feel like the other people, like how the other people feel. But I think also in the addition of the fact nothing passes your lips, the fact that you're also not drinking in a, in a hot climate, that's quite a sacrifice. That really is, uh, that's, that's challenging. I think there's a lot of psychological element to it because normally if it wasn't Ramadan and you, and you think, right, I'm just going to fast today, you'd be constantly hungry, seriously. But when it's Ramadan, it's like you almost get a, like, a sense of peace about it and you know the greatest part of it is that you actually know that every other Muslim across the world, millions and millions and billions of people are doing the same thing. So you have no cause for complaint. You can't. Uh, and psychologically, you're prepared. You don't actually think, I'm going to sneak over here and just have a quick sandwich or something you never even think of anything like that you just uh, you have a sense of peace and you just do it and you don't feel it and you don't complain that's the only time I don't complain other times I just keep complaining that I'm hungry <laughs> but I also I want to emphasize that there are also allowances for people who are sick who are you know yeah so if you're if you're old if you're sick if you're pregnant if you're breastfeeding you know or if you take medication then you don't need to fast you you are exempted from these things. And certainly young children, if they're young children, you know, from the age of 10 or so, yes. You know, and even then, it's kind of almost part-time. They might do the morning, they might do the afternoon. But it's encouraged. I think it should never be something that's forced. It is an obligation that you have that you do. But certainly if you're in a condition or in a situation, and if you're traveling, you don't need to fast. And you can make that up later. So the allowances are there. أشهد أن محمد رسول الله
Thanks to Sadia Usmani and Jaman Makar, the operator at the Islamic Centre Canteen at Wan Chai Mosque in Oikwan Road. Next week, I join Mani Vacha at the Kowloon Cricket Club. She'll be telling me about Parsi heritage, Walla Wallas across the harbour, and how they all love cricket in her family. Oh, I love cricket because I also grew up in a family where my father used to play tennis. And my uncles used to play cricket and used to captain the Jibgana teams and things like that. So I also grew up in a sport-loving family. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>